A date which will live in infamy. Both of those projects, initiatives, got off the ground because of the Gare out of the 24 who were killed were Americans who had come to learn in Kevin. I say one million Jewish children who were made to be cut in Whoever heard such beautiful words, It is never too little, it is never too late, and it is never enough. Jewish History Soundbites, bringing alive the world of our glorious past. Here is our host, live from Jerusalem, Jewish historian and tour guide, Yehuda Geberer. Everyone to Jewish History Soundbites. This is Yehuda Geber with another episode of Jewish History Soundbites, and this Malava Malka episode has been generously sponsored by David Singer at Callaway Capital. Lazecher Nishmas, two of the great characters of this episode, Reb Moshe Betzal Alter and Reb Menachem Mendel Alter, Hashem Yinkoim Demehem. For all your commercial real estate needs, please call David at 732-232-6212, or email david at callawaycap.com. So we'll start off, before we get into the topic of Ger and the great uh, Rabbonim and rabbis and leaders of the Ger Hasidus in pre-war Poland, we'll um, just um, read a few letters from, uh, make a couple of corrections and read a few letters from some previous episodes. First of all, we just had recently in our Great American Jewish uh, Cities um, series. We had Montreal, and usually I say a few alert listeners point out a mistake. This time you didn't have to be that alert because it was a really lousy mistake on my part. I mentioned the Puparov, Rabbi Yitzchak Nyman, Bells, um, and I very incorrectly said that his brother was the Knesset member Yaakov Neeman. Now, first of all, I wasn't even thinking uh, when I said it because they're both named Yaakov, so they obviously can't be brothers. Aside from that, they just happen to not be brothers at all. And uh, Yaakov Neman was born in Tel Aviv, and the Poparov obviously was born in Europe. Um, I got mixed up, and the Poparov had some brother who was a professor at, in, in Israel somewhere, but obviously not any connection to that other Neman. Um, another small correction was that the Tol- the current Tolner Rebbe is the maternal grandson, or rather the previous Tolner Rebbe was the maternal grandfather of the current Tolner Rebbe, and not the paternal. An interesting letter I got about the previous episode we had on the Reb Schneer and Rebetzin Rischel Cutler was that I mentioned that on our tours to Lithuania, when we go to Kovno, we go into the Friedman House, so I was asked if we force our way in, and the answer is no, we don't force our way in. We in kind of encourage the residents of the house, who, by the way, are living in stolen Jewish property. They're gypsies living in a condemned wooden structure, 
and we uh, convinced them that this group should be able to see the Rabiner's house, and they're usually pretty accommodating. Um, another um, question we got from several listeners was, how could we include Montreal in the Great American Jewish Cities series if uh, Montreal is not in America? So the answer is that Montreal is not in the United States, but it actually is in America, and that's why we specifically called it the Great American Jewish Cities series and not the Great United States uh, Jewish Cities series. And another issue that people had is that I said it's north in Canada when really it's in southern Canada, but obviously it's north uh, it's north and snowy because, you know, I originally come from New York and now I live in, uh, in Israel, so anything north of New York and anything colder than Beit Shemesh is going to be north and snowy. Um, a fascinating letter we got on the Rebetzin, again, the Rebbe Schneer Cutler and Rebetzin Rachel Cutler episode is something I actually want to quote from and read to you and share. Amazing letter. Next, I return the letter. So here it goes. My father lived in the Kovnegeta with Ravram Grzynski, his family, as well as the families of other noted rabbis. My father worked in a labor detail at the German military airport at the outskirts of Kovna, which afforded him the opportunity to trade contraband for food with nearby Lithuanian farmers. My father told me that the rabbi nor his family would partake in the non-kosher food he would smuggle into the ghetto and pretty much subsided on the vegetables he would bring them. On one occasion, my father smuggled into the ghetto a live chicken for the rabbi and his family to eat. Amazing, amazing story with the Slobatka Meshkiach, Ravrom Grzynski, who was in the same home uh, with Rebleib Friedman, um, who I mentioned in that episode. And the best letter I got was another one is also about the Rav Schneer Cutler uh, episode, and this is this is it. I'm quoting more or less from the letter. Uh, when a Talmud of Rav Schneer, who today is a well-known rabbi, got engaged to a member of the Tells family, Rav Schneer told him, to get smicha and Tells, you need to know Yeridea and the famously complicated Blach Saratskin family tree. And if you know the family tree well enough, they are Mevater on the Yeridea. That's the letter, so I thought that was pretty funny also. And moving along, um, also we had, uh, just to pay a short tribute, we had just the other day the uh, unfortunate passing of a great pillar of of charitable work, Tzedaka and philanthropy, Mrs. Marta Schron, just passed away the other day, the Yibadul Chaim with her husband, Mr. Ruby Shron, from the biggest uh, supporters of Torah causes in, in, in the United States and around the world in recent times, with simplicity, without fanfare. She was a, a tsenua, a big fixture in the Mary Shiva in Brooklyn. And when the uh, future, in the future, when the history of the Torah world of the latter 20th century is going to be written, she and Yibadul Chaim, her husband, will be a central piece of that story. So just wanted to mention that. We go into the story of, of Ger, and this is not a history of the Ger Hasidus. This is not a history of the Ger Rebbes. This is an overlooked aspect of, uh, re- really not so much of Ger even, but of pre-war Jewish Poland. Within the Ger Hasidus and within the leadership of Polish Jewry, there were several members of the Ger Rebbes families who were played central roles both in the Ger court 
and in the leadership, in the rabbinate, in, in various positions in the community of pre-war Jewish Poland and the interwar period and even before. And they're very often overlooked because the ones who take the spotlight were their close family members who were the Ger Rebbes themselves. And uh, Ger in those days was a unified pretty much uh, in, in the dynasty. And the, uh, the Ger Rebbe was, was one person in Ger. And then his brothers, his brothers-in-law and uncles and children were not the Ger Rebbes, but they were incredible. Many of them were incredible and very important and influential individuals. So I want to focus on a, a few of them uh, today. Um, until today, Ger takes on positions of leadership in the Jewish world. Of course, in Israel, Ger plays a very prominent role. In the United States, you have uh, Mr. Saul Werdiger, who's one of the heads of the Agudas Yisrael in America, and he's a Ger Chassid and continuing that Ger legacy of, uh, of the leadership in the Jewish world. Um, so we go back, first per individual I want to speak about is that when we speak about the Ger Rebbes, and you go to their their uh, their kever in, in Ger in Poland, you have the two first Rebbes are the Chidushe Harim and the Svasemes, and it's, it's a grandfather and grandson, so there's a is a missing generation there. And Rabbi Avram Mordechai Alter, who was never the Ger Rebbe because he passes away in his father's uh, lifetime, uh, he was an amazing individual. He was the Chidush Arim, unfortunately, a very tragic life. He lost all of his children in his own lifetime. Um, and this Rabbi Avram Mordechai Alter was his only son who reached adulthood, the only one who got married and had children. In other words, the only grandchildren that the Chidush Arim had was with this Rabbi Avram Mordechai. Svasemis was his son, obviously. Um, the Chidushi Arim, when he left Koznitz, after the Koznitz or Magid uh, passed away, and Ramesh of Koznitz uh, became the Rebbe, the Chidushi Arim at some point left Koznitz and went to Pshischa, and every time he went to Pshischa, he came back to, to Warsaw where he lived, and another child of his passed away. He lost 13 children, every single one of his children. A very tragic uh, story. And... Um, and this was his pride and joy. This one son who um, who who was who lived. He passed away young in his father's lifetime. Also, his last child that he lost. He was sickly and weak his whole life. Very simple. He was a beloved individual. He had a simplicity to him. A quiet. He was a very silent. He didn't talk a lot. He would uh, sit amongst uh, his father's talmidim in his yeshiva in Warsaw, and everyone would be talking and. And, and about the shear and everything, and he would sit quietly, and when they wanted to get the issues and the questions resolved, they would go over to him, and he would answer everything simply and quietly and clearly. He was a very quiet uh, individual. He did not want to make a living off of the rabbinate. He had, he had a store, first a grocery store that his wife managed. Later on, he had a bookstore on Krachmalna Street in Warsaw, and uh, was not very successful. It was he was very poor, but um, but the rebbes, the tzaddikim of his day, were incredibly impressed with him. Rabbi Cheskel of Kuzmir was the founder of the Majid's dynasty, and then Rabbi Yitzchak of Varka, who was who was his father's uh, close friend. Uh, he Rabbi Yitzchak of Varka would would, uh, would say that people envy. Rabbi Avram Mordechai for having a father like the Chidushi Arim. I say just the opposite. I envy the Chidushi Arim for having a child 
like uh, Rav Ram Mordechai. The Chidush Yerim himself, his father, would say that my son is a true Kotzker Chassid, which is pretty much the biggest compliment that the Chidush Yerim could give to anyone. Of course, the Kotzker was still alive at this time. Um, he had several daughters, and then finally, shortly before he passed away, uh, not shortly, his father was eight years old when his father passed away, but um, uh, but uh, after several daughters, the Sfasemis was born. And eventually, like I said, a few years later, with his father still alive, he passes on the last child that the Chidusharim lost. So the Chidusharim decided that he has to be buried between two Kotzker Hasidim in the Warsaw Jewish Cemetery. And because his, his son can't be lonely, so he has to be buried between two Kotzkers. So the problem was... Now, by the way, this grave site is, still exists, and we go to it, and I point it out, and and you know, you see it. The, you know what's 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 what I'm going to talk about. It plays out. We actually see till today. It still exists. He there was no room between the two kutskers that the chedushim wanted to be buried in, buried in between. So Hasidic legend says that uh, you know they made room. The the two the two Katsker Hasidim made room for him to allow him to join, and they these two uh, two dead bodies moved aside to allow their comrade to join them. That's one version. The other version is is that the Hasidim of Katsk and of of Ger at the time arranged that there should be room. They you know dug up a little bit, moved some matzevas around, and room was made for him to join. Now the Chidushim writes the actual language of the Matseva, and it's the original Matseva that we see, which is what the Chedusha Arim decided should be written. He writes, My only child has been taken from me as a result of my sins. He was a tzaddik, Hashem Nasan, Hashem Lakach, a very short and poignant uh, um, you know, message that the uh, Chedusha Arim writes on his son's uh, cover. And... Um, and that's Rav Mordechai. And of course, it goes on to the Svasemes, who we spoke about in a different episode. And then you have the Svasemes' children. Now, we know the oldest child of Svasemes was the Gerarebbe. The old Gerarebbe was later on known as the Imre Emes. But there was, who we also have spoken about on several occasions in different episodes. But what we want to focus on is mainly is about the other children of the Svasemes, who... We're not the Gera Rebbe, and I'm not going to go in any particular age order. I'm just going to try to speak about a little bit about each of them. You had Rav Mendel Alter, who was known as Rav Mendel of Pabianitsa, where he was the Rav, a suburb of Lodz. He was a Rav there for many years. He was married to the Radomska Rebbe's daughter, and he actually had the distinction of starting the first yeshiva in Ger before he became a Rav. He, excuse me, in 1905, he started in the history of Ger Hasidus ever since uh, it started. This was the first yeshiva, and he was the Rosh Yeshiva, and it was t- lasted till World War One until everything fell apart during World War One. It was a large; it was hundreds of talmidim. It was a very successful, prominent Polish Hasidic yeshiva for those ten years. It was he had a unique uh, idea in this yeshiva that he would invite regularly guests from around Warsaw and Lodz and those areas great Talmidei Chacham and Rabbanim, to give shiurim uh, in the yeshiva. Of course, Reb Meir Dan Plotsky, the Klichemda, Reb Chaim Heller, who was in Lodz at the time, and many, many other local Rabbanim and 
great Talmidei Chacham would come to be invited to give a shiurim in this yeshiva. He later on became the Rav in Pabianitza and Kalish also, both of them near Lodz, and um, and he was the head of the Aguda Sarabonim of Poland. And we know more famous is the Aguda Sarabonim in, in the United States, but during the interwar period there was a very, very prominent with hundreds of members, some of the greatest rabbis in Poland of the Agudas Rabbanim, the one who sat at the head of the Agudas Rabbanim of Poland, and one of the leaders of Polish Jewry is this Remendel Alter of Pabinitsa. And um, he's also the Mayasis Gedele And he also, again, prior to World War I, um, he was a pioneer of religious newspapers in Poland. He first started Hakoil, uh, which was a Hebrew newspaper, which was, the goal of that was to compete with Nochem Sokolov's Hatzfira. And then he also started a Yiddish newspaper, which was called the Varshaver Togblat, to compete with the Yiddish uh, socialist newspapers. Neither one lasted a long time, but when the uh, religious press boomed in the interwar period, it was uh, it was due to his trailblazing the idea of the foundations that he laid for that, in the in b- before that, so he has a very uh, prominent and important role, which of course is, is an influence that lasts till today. We have the religious uh, newspapers and, and and websites. It's all you know comes from these early people who who laid down the foundations for that. Um, he visited Eretz Yisrael uh, three times. At the beginning of the war, he escapes to to Warsaw in the ghetto. He and his brother, Amosha Bitzal Alter, which I'll get to in a second, who we've also spoken about on other occasions, they decided at some point to start giving public shiurim to strengthen Torah study in the ghetto. And then he was the president of an organization that Rabbi Shulam Kamener, who was also an incredible individual in Gary, was, he wasn't a brother, he was, but he was, uh, you know, closely affiliated with the Chesidus and, uh, and also another story. But Sir Mishum Kamen started this organization in, in organization in the ghetto to support the study of Torah in the Warsaw ghetto. And in fact, there's a letter that was sent to the joint um, in the, one of the early years of the war to ask them to help to increase the support that the joint was sending to this organization. He's saying, and in that letter, it states that there's 3,000 ghetto members who are involved in this program and that Remendel Alter is the president. And uh, Remendel Alter was also prominent enough that there's a, bi- a biographical entry in the Ringelblum archive of the of the Warsaw Ghetto that of uh, that he was a beloved and a strong and well known leader in the uh, in the Warsaw Ghetto. He he almost alone amongst the rabbis in, in in the ghetto he refused to join the Schultz shops, which was where a lot of the rabbis and rebbes of the ghetto were. Uh, had a, uh, a reprieve from the deportations, at least for the first few weeks, um, to be able to be employed uh, by the where there's hundred, literally hundreds of rabbis were employed by Avram Hendels, who was uh, who ran the Schultz shops. Uh, he tried to save these rabbis. So Mendel Alter refused to join. He's one of the only rabbanim who did because he would have to cut his beard off in order to do so, and he did not want to do that. And he eventually, like almost everyone else, was was uh, killed in Treblinka with his entire family. There was a son-in-law of the Svasemis, who was B'tzvi Chanach Levin, Levin, sorry, the Bendina Rav, B'tzvi Chanach Levin, who was a grandchild of the old the old Rebbe of Alexander, who was not not of the Alexander uh, Hasidus. There was a one of the older Talmidim of Kotsk, who was Reb Chanach Levin, 
who was the Rebbe, who happened to live in Alexander before there was a, a Hasidist called Alexander. See, he was the Rebbe for four years in between the passing of the Chidush Erem to before the Svasemes assumed the leadership between 1866 and 1870. He was the old Rebbe of Alexander. That's what they called him. So his grandson, Ertzvi Chanach Levin, becomes the son-in-law of the Svasemes. And he came from a wealthy family. His father was a wealthy businessman would have uh, two barrels of copper coins in his office. And any time a poor person would come into his office, he would scoop a handful and he would come in with a give him with a big smile. He would give him a, a donation. Um, so Ritzi Chanech Levin was in part of the Ger court. He was a huge masmid. On Shabbos, he would... He would study Torah till two in the afternoon. So when his father-in-law, Svasemis, was alive, it wasn't a problem because then Ger still kept the old Pshischa custom of davening very late. But once his brother-in-law, the Imre Emes, became the Ger Rebbe in 1905, so then Shachar Shabbos morning became 8.30 in the morning. So he would still learn until two in the afternoon. I don't know when he davened. And he would only come in to Ger, to the base Medrash, to hear laning, to hear their Torah reading. And he he would he would keep his his uh, his his learning session um, like he always did. He um, he was um, his father-in-law. The Svasemis encouraged him since he was a kayan to study and write uh, svarim on kudshim. And um, he was a, also a kabbalist. He delved into kabbalah learning. And he was known in Ger as the one who gave out advice. Uh, he would help, he was the marriage counselor. Any uh, couples that needed counseling would come to him for many years and also resolving a lot of internal issues in local Jewish communities or in the, in the Hasidus itself. He was um, known to reply to anyone who ever wrote him a letter. And he, talking about writing by hand, he didn't type anything. And he would reply literally to dozens of letters daily and promptly, like a real Pailusha. Exactly that day, he would always respond, and he became like legendary for that. He was a tremendous Ayav Yisrael, loved every Jew and tried to help them. Anyone who would ever come into his house, he would jump up and welcome them, smiling, grabbing their hand. He was very often would say an old Hasidic saying that Kol Yisrael Arevim Zelazeh, he would he would interpret it uh, interpret it in a way of Hasidus, not 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 the pashit the simple meaning and understanding of it. He would say Arevim Zelazem means they're pleasant to each other. Jews should be pleasant to each other, and in that context, it's important to point out that he visited Eretz Yisrael in 1924 as part of the group that came to mediate between. Rav Cook and Rav Chaim Zunnenfeld to, to resolve that dispute. It was him, his brother-in-law, the Ger Rebbe, and Rav Yitzhak Zelig Morgenstern, the Sokolover Rebbe. Uh, they were unsuccessful with their uh, goal, but they tried. He went again in 1927, and on that trip to Eretz Yisrael, he went on a tour of the different Yishuvim, trying to inspire them to stay close to Yiddishkeit and Hasidus. Later on, he becomes the rabbi in Bendin, which is a big city, a large Jewish community, later on in life. Uh, a very active Rav. He gave a two-hour shear also, besides for being involved in all the community affairs, he gave a two-hour shear every day to a group of, of students. And before Shabbos, like an hour before Shabbos, every Friday he would walk around uh, down the, the blocks where all the shopkeepers were, and he would just walk up and down in his uh, regal dress, and, and and people would see him walking down, and they many of them would close their 
uh, stores before Shabbos uh, would, 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 would come because of his presence there. Um, without him having to say anything. He opened actually a kosher kitchen for Jewish soldiers in the Polish army who were near Bendin and Susnovich. He also, as, as a forward-thinking rabbi, he built a modern mikveh in the town. Um, he was a uh, prominent member of Agudis Yisrael, and uh, he passed away before the war. Most of his children were killed. Three sons of his survived and made it to Israel, uh, one of them was the famous politician, who hopefully we'll have time to get to also, Rabbi Shemayi Levin, and he had a son of Pinchas Levin, who started uh, the Beis Yaakov in Yerushalayim. Another son-in-law of the Svasemis was Rabbi Yaakov Meir Biederman, not related to the Lelov Biedermans. This is the Ger Polish Biedermans, and he was a Rav in Warsaw. He was part of the Warsaw Bezdin with Menachem Zemba and other Rabbanim, and he was a member of the Meatzis Gedele Atarev Agudis Yisrael, and his father-in-law, he was a tremendous Talmud Chacham, one of the biggest Talmud Chacham in Poland at the time. His father-in-law, the Svasemis, quotes him in Svasemis on Shas. Uh, he actually was in charge of printing the Svasemis after his father-in-law's passing and even edited and added his comments on it. Uh, very, very prominent and famous, a big Paisik also in Halacha. He visited Eretz Yisrael and almost became a Rebbe in the Ger Yeshiva there, but he comes back to Poland and he was later diagnosed with diabetes, which... which um, which uh, caused his early death uh, in the ghetto conditions, uh, in the Warsaw ghetto. He couldn't survive, he didn't get insulin, and he passed away in the ghetto. But he was able to be buried in the Warsaw Jewish Cemetery using the same gravesite and and tombstone of his grandfather. His grandfather had been a rabbi in Warsaw also, so he's buried literally next to his grandfather. But uh, what happened was, earlier on, in the interwar period, the Imre Amis, his brother-in-law, uh, the Gerarebbe, his wife passed away, and he married his niece, Rabbi Yaakov Meir Biederman's daughter. As his niece, he married her as his second wife. And his, he has a child of his old age, Rabbi Pinchas Menachem Alter, who later on became the Gerarebbe, was uh, a son of the Gerarebbe, but he was a grandson of Rabbi Yaakov Meir Biederman. And the Pnei Menachem actually put out his grandfather's Sfarim, and the Pnei Menachem and, and, and his mother were the only ones who survived from his family. All the rest of the members of his family uh, of Rabbi Yaakov Meir Biederman uh, were wiped out. Uh, the next one we have is Ramesha Bitzal Alter, who I mentioned when we talked about the martyrs of the Holocaust, when we talked about the last year, Tisha B'Av time, but now I want to speak more about his life uh, and who he was. Um, you know, um, he was kind of like his father's, uh, the Svasemis is almost like his favorite, his favorite child almost. He named him after Moshe Rabbeinu and Bitzal uh, of the Mishkan, the one who built the Mishkan. His, he, when he married his wife, who was also his cousin, she was actually a bit educated. And something rare for those days in Rebisha families, she kept a diary from her wedding day till her passing in 1937. She came from a wealthy family. And she had a mirror as part of the furniture in the house, which he did not like. Her Moshe Bitzal wasn't happy about that. So one time she was visiting Warsaw, he brought a goat into his house, and the goat walked around and eventually shattered the mirror, which was his goal of bringing it in. His father-in-law supported him for many years, so all he did was sit in Ger in the Chatzar, and he learned all day, every day. He paid an old Kotzker Chassid to be his study partner, and the two of them learned together. He would give shiurim to his sons and sons-in-law to Talmidim, to 
everything. And unique also, he would give a shear to his daughters and daughters-in-law every day in some sort of Musser type of work like Menar Samar or Masil Yisharim. Um, he spent a half a year in Eretz Yisrael, where he spent some time with Rav Cook. Um, and in fact, when he was in Ger, um, so he was like I mentioned uh, when I spoke about him the other time about how he was the Bal Toikea. He blew the shofar in Ger, and when and when he was not feeling well, and he wasn't able to blow it loud. So his brother, the Ger Rebbe, comforted him with a saying of Rabbi Simchabunim Abshischa. Rabbi Abshischa, he said. It says in Asana Taikif Ubashoifer Godal Yitoka Vikold Mama Dako Yishoma if and he said if it's a shoifer that the godal is blowing it, a great person is blowing it. So then even if it's a cold demama dako, even if it's a very low sound, then still it's Chilura Ada Yechezun, everyone is inspired by his blowing, and it's still very special and inspirational. Um one time when he was in Ger, a Ger Chassid came to him on the last day of Hanukkah and told him that he's suffering from cellulitis. Now in Yiddish, cellulitis is a rose, so which means a rose. The blotches that come because of cellulitis. So Rabbi Moshe B'tzal promptly gives him the leftover oil in his menorah from Hanukkah. And he says to him, we say in Moesur, uminoisar kankanim, from the leftover oil, and a miracle can happen for the shayshanim, for the rose, for the rose. And he gives it to him, and the guy gets better. The guy got better. Um, and uh, he was, of course, in the will of the Rebbe to become the next Rebbe. He was supposed to be the next Rebbe. During the initial part of the war, during the bombing of Warsaw, his son, who was the, his brother's son-in-law, um, was killed during the bombing. And uh, we actually go to his cover. Um, we go to all these. They're all buried in Warsaw. We go to Rabbi Yaakov Biederman, who I mentioned before. We go to his cover. Actually, he was with members of his family, Rabbi Yaakov Biederman's family, distant relatives who were, uh, who we searched. We went searching around the cemetery till we found his cover. But since then, we know where his cover is. But but this, uh, going back to Ramesha B'Tzal's son, um, we go to his cover. It's next to the Radzamina Rebbe. And on this cover of his son, it says, the son of Ramesha B'Tzal Shlita. And Ramesha B'Tzal himself, of course, doesn't have a cover because he was killed in Treblinka. But here we have Ramesha B'Tzal's name on a cover in the Warsaw Jewish Cemetery. And before they were able to bury him in the Warsaw, they in the cemetery, they buried him in the courtyard because it was still the bombing. And it was Sukkis. So he would sit in his sukkah joyous and singing on Sukkot, and right outside his Sukkot literally was his son who was buried there. Um, the, and of course he himself was killed in Treblinka, uh, together with the rest of his family. Another son of the Sfas Emes was Reb Nechemya Alter, who following World War I moved to Eretz Yisrael and lived there for about 10 years. He was, he was in Sfas, he was in Yerushalayim, he was the Rosh Hashiva of the Sfas Emes Yeshiva in Yerushalayim, and then he goes back to Poland because of his wife's medical a condition and she needed treatment. He became a rabbi in Lodz, and uh, his wife was a descendant. His wife was a Morgenstern. She was a descendant of the Kotzker, and she was a descendant of the Radzamina Rebbe. So when he passed away at the beginning of uh, he beginning of the war, he ran to Warsaw, and he passed away in the Warsaw ghetto. But he was actually buried in the Radzamina Rebbe's uh, oil in the Warsaw Jewish Cemetery, which was also another visit. Another one who was uh, prominent as the next generation 
um, the son of the Ger Rebbe, the son of the Imre Emes, the oldest son. You know, the Beis Yisrael became the Rebbe after the Imre Emes, but he was the third oldest uh, son. There was one who passed away in the Imre Emes' lifetime, but then there was the oldest, the oldest child of the Imre Emes was Rebbe Meir Alter. But uh, he was killed in Treblinka. He stayed in, the, in, in Warsaw uh, at the beginning of the war when the Rebbe escaped with part of his family. Rebbe Meir said, we need, uh, we need, I need to stay with the Hasidim. And he stayed. In fact, he, had a, he ran a shtibel, a clandestine shtibel in the Warsaw Ghetto. And during the Great Deportation, they kept on davening there in secret. And there was a Gera Hasid who kept a diary, that we have his diary through the Ring of Boom archive. And he describes how Friday night, after a day during the deportations, during the Great Deportation, during those two months in the summer of 1942, and he said that, that Friday night, after the deportation of that day was over, he went to Davin in the Shtibel, and, and he said, he writes in his diary after Shabbos, that the singing of L'Chadaydi was just like the pre-war Gerish Shtibels. And he said that bothered him. How could we be singing when Warsaw is getting destroyed, when, when we're getting sent to who knows where. So he goes over to a mayor altar after davening. And he says to him, Rebbe, and he paraphrases the words of a very famous saying of Chazal. He says to him, Rebbe, How can you sing when we're drowning, when Warsaw is going up in flames, when the deportation is going on? Rebbe altar is taken aback. And then he responds to him and he says, You're right. And if they don't want to listen upstairs to our song, then they won't listen. And maybe they shouldn't listen because, because of what you said. But that's their job if they should listen or not. Our job is to continue singing. No matter what happens, if we're still alive, if we're still breathing, we have to continue singing. That's our job. And he, of course, with his entire family, is also killed in Treblinka. Um, and just to mention uh, another couple of last ones, also children of the Gareb who did survive, Itchamai Levin, whose father was the Bendina Rav, so he's the grandson of the Spasemis, he happens to also marry, they all intermarried into the family a hundred times over, he marries the daughter of the Gareb, of the Ramis. And he's famous as the politician, famous in the, in the Knesset as the politician in Israel, the head of Agudas Yisrael, but he's actually, his political career begins in Poland, and he's a representative to the Polish same of the, the Polish parliament because of Agudas Yisrael, one of the few people in the history of the world, probably, uh, who served in two parliaments of countries. The other people who did were other Jewish members of the Jewish of the Polish parliament who later on became members of the Knesset, like Yitzchak Greenbaum, who was his main adversary in the Polish same. Yitzchak Levin was actually a signer of the Declaration, uh, Israel Declaration of Independence, and uh, he was always involved with with uh, controversy and conflict with Greenbaum, and both in Poland, later on in Israel, and also within the Agudas Yisrael. He took a lot of initiative, and uh, during the tense days of the signing of the Declaration of Independence and the initial stages of the government, uh, when it was hard for him to be in contact with different various members of the Meretz Gedele HaTayra, so sometimes he would have to make his own decisions, and uh, not always, uh, not always did everyone agree with him. So he was a a strong and powerful figure in Israeli politics, uh, both from within the religious community and from without. And and he stood, uh, he stood like a real leaven, like a real uh, gerer. He stood his ground in whatever he believed in and whatever he felt uh, needed to be done. 
It's interesting, his, his uh, legendary uh, uh, confrontations with Yitzchak Greenbaum, who was the head of the general Zionist back in Poland, uh, they were, it was you know, sometimes bitter controversy. Greenbaum accused him and the Aguda and the religious Jews of Poland, all kinds of things. He did not, was not too fond of the, the religious Jewish community in Poland. And when they come to Israel in the 1950s, both of their constituencies had fundamentally changed. Uh, Greenbaum's general Zionist was almost non-existent in the Israeli landscape. It was mostly labor Zionist, which was much more to the left, the Ben-Gurion Mapai. Whereas, uh, you know, Itchemeyer Levin was used to, back in Poland, in places like Warsaw and Lodz, very often, the Agudis Yisrael had a majority in, in, on the... On the in the kahal in the Jewish community and and also and they were pretty prominent even in the mayor in the municipal elections and the and the national elections. The Goddess Yisrael always claimed in Poland that they were representing the silent majority, whereas in Israel they were uh, representing a tiny minority. So their relationship actually changed in the 1950s. Ironically, um, one last son-in-law of the Gerebe. Was a, there's a, several others, I'm not going to get into all of them right now, um, but one last one that I want to mention was a Befraim Fischl Heine, who also escaped with his father-in-law the Gerb at the beginning of the war. He had a son, Reb Label Heine, who was a very prominent figure in Ger, and, uh, and famously his daughter um, is the uh, very, very important and prestigious historian, Rebetzin Esther Farbstein, who is a phenomenal historian, a researcher, and she marries the Chevron uh, Rosh Hashiva's daughter. So you have the two empires, the Litvisha world of Chevron Slabotka and the Gera Polish world coming together. And, uh, and that's that. That's a little bit about the, the, uh, the Ger. And this is Yehuda Geber with Jewish History Soundbites. You can reach me at Yehuda at YehudaGeber.com. And uh, for questions, comments, sources, uh, tours and trips, virtual tours we're doing now. Check out our website. You could subscribe to Jewish History Soundbites on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, um, or go on to our website at yudigeber.com. Follow us on Twitter at jsoundbites, and I hope you enjoyed.